<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. And let me say, I had one of the most restful, relaxing weekends in ages, and I hope you did too. Last week, in a great victory for the Second Amendment, the Supreme Court struck down New York's outrageous gun law that restricted concealed carry. And then, the very next day, the High Court overturned Roe v. Wade. It was an amazing week for truth, justice, and the American way. Thank you, Lord. And I have to tell you, I haven't felt this good about our country in a very long time. Freedom, freedom is once again ringing throughout America. You can feel it. You can hear it. Just listen. It is ringing once again. And after Friday's Supreme Court rulings, I took a number of deep breaths. And I said again, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I'll be doing that for quite some time. And we have a great deal to be thankful for in this country. Not only for Friday's decision, but this Supreme Court's integrity and its courage. Heaven sent, and again, thank you, Lord. This Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, rolling back a half century of darkness and ending 50 years of contrived legal interpretation that was on its face always specious, tortured, and preposterous judicial activism that created a constitutional right of abortion from thin air. Justices Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett are heroic in their stand for the integrity of the Constitution and in their insistence that both Roe and Casey be overturned and the issue of abortion be returned to the states and the judgment of the governed. We the people and the people in each of those 50 states will make their determination about abortion. And yes, we should be sure to applaud President Trump's nominations of Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, without whom this historic decision would have never occurred. We should also note that a fourth conservative justice would likely be on the court, or at least soon, were it not for the irregularities, the anomalies, the ballot trafficking, Zuckerberg's half billion dollars, George Soros's funded accomplices and millions of ballots that weren't signature verified, and Attorney General William Barr's decision not to intervene in an election won by the candidate who lied about his son's laptop contents, had vital support from 51 intelligence officials, including five former CIA directors who lied in saying it was all Russian disinformation and shut down the national media, who then refused to report the truth. And the Attorney General, William Barr, knew it all the time, that it was all a lie in support of Biden, and he refused to tell the truth to the American people. In not intervening in the 2020 election, Barr intervened on behalf of the man he knew to be corrupt and lying to the American people, Joe Biden, and there is no excuse. 
Washington has a tremendous shortage of courage and integrity. Thank God for Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. The Marxist Dems and the puppet president, Biden, have spent months trying to intimidate the conservative justices on the court. Demonstrations and protests outside their homes. One man arrested near Justice Kavanaugh's home, arrested for attempted murder of Justice Kavanaugh. And since their ruling, street violence in Portland and other cities, more threats against their lives and the court, the Marxist Dems calling for packing of the Supreme Court now, once again, and the end of the filibuster, once again. And on it goes. The left's bent to totalitarianism is ever sharper by the day. They shout in the streets the Supreme Court is illegitimate, that they'll ignore the court and the law, just as they do, whether it's bail for killers, an open border for the drug smuggling, sex trafficking, drug cartels, the Biden refusal to remove illegal immigrants. It just goes on and on under this presidency. Meanwhile, the Marxist left isn't letting up on its efforts to smear President Trump to punish hundreds of our fellow citizens who were on Capitol grounds on January 6th, some of them incarcerated for the past year and a half. I ask you, is this really America? Our guest today is Defense Attorney Joe McBride. He is a great American. He represents a number of January 6th defendants. Joe is working tirelessly for those defendants and, yes, all the rest in this nightmare conflict between justice and the Department of Justice. Joe McBride, thanks for being with us on The Great America Show. Welcome, as always, and we've got a lot to cover. But I want to first go to the Supreme Court decision to strike down New York's concealed carry law and get your interpretation. So... The conceal so so the law that was on the books essentially required uh, people to prove some type of special type of circumstance in order to demonstrate that they needed to carry a uh, firearm for self protection, meaning that uh, outside of the house you needed to prove special circumstances. That runs in contravention to the uh, to the Second Amendment and into years and years and years of case law which says that the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right, sub- subject to an entirely different body of rules, anything other than the Bill of Rights and what that guarantees. So uh, Bill of Rights says you can carry a firearm for, se- for self-defense, and that is enough. So in the application process, if you put down self-defense, that should be enough. The The New York law prior to today said you had to write self-defense plus something else. The plus something else part of it got thrown out today. Uh, New Yorkers, it's going to be a lot easier for for a New Yorker to carry a gun um, outside of the home going forward, which is a good thing because it's what the Constitution intended, and good people do have a right to defend themselves against criminals who carry guns and don't respect the law anyway. Exactly. And one of the things that we do know, for example— uh, is that New Jersey, New York, uh, they they use the special circumstances and the purpose as a way to slow roll everyone's application for a concealed weapon. Effectively, they don't approve any of them uh, unless they're friends of the governor or whatever. Uh, 
and so this means the what? Will they be able to still slow roll you, uh, uh, make you take a year or two to get a concealed weapon, or are they going to have to simply look at you and say you're either an upstanding citizen, uh, you have your papers in order, and here's your here's your permit? Is, does it have to be expeditious? It should be expeditious in purpose and in effect. I mean, New York is notorious, notoriously slow on everything, but I would imagine that there is going to be a certain level of scrutiny on uh, the way this law is enforced grow, going forward. And, um, you know, when you have people saying that we're just going to ignore it, like the governor or, or the mayor, I, I think oh. that's going to bring different levels of scrutiny. And I, I just, I find it really interesting. You have all these these white sort of saviors, these white liberal elitist saviors in, in New York City and in the, in the Northeast. And, you know, the, the fear and outrage currently being expressed by white liberal saviors, it's like a collective Freudian slip, which shows the whole world how uncomfortable these white liberal saviors really are with uh, strong, Black men, like Clarence Thomas, number one, giving them an order and telling them this is the law, you're going to have to deal with it. And number two, the possibility of, of, of blacks and Latinos actually um, arming themselves or white other whites arming themselves um, in, in, in the world that we live in. If they trusted everybody so much and if they really believed in half the crap they were pushing, they'd be totally okay with this. But because they're not... Uh, they can't help themselves, and their hypocr hypocrisy is just coming out of all their orifices today. It's a it's a wonderful thing to watch. Absolutely. And Eric Adams, the mayor in New York, telling people nothing changes today. Uh, we're going to ignore it. Uh, the, the, the man is so ignorant. I, I mean, you, you talk about him being connected to George Soros and everything else. Let, let, let's be honest. He's connected to the international Marxist dim uh, congregation. Uh, this guy is a piece of work. Uh, we got rid of Bill de Blasio. Well, he got rid of himself. Uh, and now we've got this this joker. When are these numbskulls, is there anyone in New York who can run for mayor who would be halfway decent, have a sense of uh, public service obligation, and actually do the right and fair thing uh, for its citizens? There are, I mean, the guy is a joke. Um, he... he Saying that you're not going to follow Supreme Court precedent is ridiculous. He's doing it because he thinks he's going to get away with it. Um, he's not going to get away with it. The Supreme Court, what it says is final. And if he runs in contravention to it, there'll be grounds to remove him from office. Um, he is not loyal to the United States or the people of New York City, of which I am a, a citizen of both New York City and the United States. He's obviously... Uh, loyal to this international uh, Marxist order, which one thing it definitely doesn't want is people to to have guns. That's and, right. uh, this is a big, big time uh, problem for them. Are there people in New York who are capable of running? Hell yes. Um, will somebody rise and run at some time in the near future? I, I think so. I think people um, are, are fed up. I think people have had enough. This system is going to crumble under the weight of its own hypocrisy because it underestimates the spirit of freedom and, and liberty in this country, which no Marxist idea or set of ideals is ever going to be able to defeat. No. As a matter of fact, the ideals are intended to destroy uh, capitalism, to destroy uh, this republic, and to destroy democracy. Uh, all are, and, you know, 
the the antithesis of uh, of Marxism. I, I want to say too, I, I, I've I've always believed that the surest way of establishing respect for one another is to know that the man or woman across from you, uh, whether you're driving a car or whether you're walking along the street, to know that they are actually armed is a great way to engender respect for people. What do you think about that idea? I, I think that idea is accurate. It is the idea of mutually assured destruction. Uh, you know, you, uh, just because you're a woman or an older person or a handicapped person or a smaller person, uh, somebody who's physically stronger than you or a group of people who may try to do you harm, uh, will do that to you if all you have is sort of your fisticuffs, right? You you are, it's, it's Darwinism. But if you're going to break into grandma's house at three o'clock in the morning and you know that, you know, grandma's got a 44 Magnum waiting to smoke you on the other side of it, you may think twice about it. And you see these videos online now. I, I see them all the time. I think they're hilarious. You see a group of guys trying to get into a house and grandma blasts them through the door. And I think it's the greatest thing since apple pie because they, most people have no right to do that. And they got what they were looking for. Exactly. It's, it, it really is the truth. I would like to see every citizen in this country carrying a weapon, period. Uh, it's time to end the nonsense. It's time to sit there and say, I'm going to wait for the police to show up. Well, eight minutes later, 18 minutes later, an hour and a half, you could do all, uh, an eternity worth of waiting because that's what can happen uh, very quickly. And people have to have a sense that they can uh, be responsible for their personal safety and that of their family. And this business, that the road we're on right now with this idiot, John Cornyn, the senator from Texas, oh, God. joining up with uh, Joe Biden and all of the, the little rhino creeps that the Republican Party has uh, you know, in their reserves, uh, it, it's just disgusting. Uh, and everyone should lap them out and tell them, you know, and I don't want to hear from the Republicans, by the way, in the Senate. Oh, no, we're not. You know, we, you know, we don't like it. I want to see them do something about it instead of just, you know, blather on like Mitch McConnell does every time. Uh, the American people deserve better. But speaking of deserving better, uh, so does every single person who's been charged by the January 6th committee. Uh, and I want to know, because you represent at least a half dozen of them, I'd like to know the status here, first and foremost, about what is happening to our fellow citizens who have had the great misfortune to be entrapped in this political persecution. Sure. So, Lou, before we move on to that, I just want to make one last final comment about the thing, because sure. I would be remiss if, if I didn't. Um, sure. I think that the fact that this opinion... Uh, which was written and drafted primarily by Justice Thomas, and it was released today on his birthday, is just one of the most savage things that he could have ever done as a patriot. I mean, this is a guy, he's, this is my birthday, and this is what I'm going to give you to the world. I mean, it's just epic. You know, he's just yeah. sticking the middle finger up and holding the flag in his other hand and saying, kiss my American ass. Forgive my language, Lou. And, uh, <laughs> I just, on, I on, just the, on Clarence Thomas's birthday, I do so. I <laughs> absolutely forgive your language. I applaud your language. And furthermore, I want to wish Clarence Thomas a happy birthday. And I want to send him a big, big thank you. Uh, because God bless you. It's just a wonderful, 
wonderful gift to the American people on your birthday, Justice Thomas. Yeah, none but respect. So to to your question, Lou, look, these guys uh, are still um, in dire circumstances. Um, uh, Just uh, about a week ago now, uh, or a little over a week, uh, we had a conference uh, that was uh, a presser hosted by Congressman Gohmert uh, on the steps of the Capitol. Uh, multiple people showed up, multiple members of Congress. Um, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke with passion. Congressman Andy Biggs spoke with passion. Congressman Troy Nels spoke with passion. And then we had multiple family members who spoke out that day as well. Uh, we were speaking about the, the prolonged solitary confinement, the unfairness of the uh, discovery process, the myriad uh, abuses that have taken place both in the court and in the jails. It was a, it was a, it was a good and powerful day. We spoke out in particular. I spoke out against the uh, January 6th committee, uh, purposefully trying to poison the jury pool. Uh, this is much like Oliver North. I know you remember that situation. Um, yep. You know, his convictions were tossed. His, 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 his testimony was immunized, but the bigger, the bigger issue is that, his testimony uh, in front of Congress and the proceedings themselves affected the outcome of the case. And because of that, um, his uh, convictions were eventually tossed. And we just don't see how we can get a fair. We definitely can't get a fair jury trial in in, uh, in D.C. But now that they're doing this in prime time and they're poisoning the national consciousness, I'd submit that there's no way to get a fair trial. And, and that even if we blow a trial in some of these cases, uh, the appeals uh, should go, you know, we, we'll, we'll certainly have something to argue about because the jury pool, oh, I, there is no, there is no non-biased jury pool at this point. It's not possible. I think you're making a tremendous point and, and God bless you for doing so because this is ignorance beyond belief that we are even seeing this committee be formed, uh, be constituted as it is. It is a partisan Soviet style show committee. Uh, the ignorance is palpable. It is a, the entire country is aware of it. It's just disgusting. There's nothing in this that even remotely resembles due process. Uh, and whether I, I, I just can't, I, I can't. I'm so disgusted by this whole thing. I can't see straight. I think you make a brilliant point and one that sh- should be taken seriously by the courts. Let me ask you. Are any of your defendants closer right now uh, to being uh, out of uh, incarceration? So uh, Christopher Quaglin has a uh, habeas motion that the government just responded on. I'm going to respond this week, and that's going to be heard before Judge McFadden. I believe that a Judge McFadden, I don't want to comment too on the ca- too much on the case. I get myself in trouble, but I believe that our arguments are, sh- are strong that the facts are overwhelming, that the law supports the conclusion that he should be let out of jail, Christopher Quaglin, because his due process rights not to be punished, not to be punished at all, never mind cruel and unusually, and because there's been deliberate indifference to his medical condition, that those are more than sufficient grounds for him to be released. Going to file a similar one soon in Ryan Nichols's case as well, because he's a military veteran with PTSD, and they've used uh, solitary confinement and other things as a means to punish him. And you can't punish people who haven't been, who have not been convicted of crimes. So those guys sort of have a soon-ish window of possibly getting out if those habeas petitions work. Uh, generally, my guys and the rest of everybody else, no, they are 
pouring on charges. If you look at the people in the Proud Boys cases or the Oath Keepers cases, they, they've now added seditious conspiracy. And, you know, they can go to jail for life. What they are doing, it's the combination of you now have charges where, where you're facing life in prison. You have now have the January 6th committee poisoning the jury pool beyond repair. Joe Biden is on TV talking about uh, January 6th was the greatest, you know, problem to ever happen in this country. It's worse than 9-11. It's worse than the Civil War. These people are domestic terrorists and they're insurrectionists and so on and so forth. So when you have all all the leading members of three branches of government making these statements in conjunction with the with the liberal media machine that's propagandizing the public, they're making a fair fight impossible so as to drive these people to a plea. And oh, by the way, they're keeping them in jail under horrible conditions the entire time as well. So why, why I've got to ask you this. We've talked about it. Why is there not a remedy in law for this kind of outrageous political persecution? The obvious lack of fairness and due process. How is it that we don't have a remedy in American law? Uh, so we, we do have, I mean, it's a good question. The habeas petition is, is something that it's, it's a remedy now. It says, hey, look. Your constitutional rights have been violated. Anytime we say your due process rights have been violated, that means that there is a process. The government did not go through it. They jumped to a conclusion and they violated your rights somehow. In these criminal cases, they're violating due process rights by punishing people before they've been convicted. They're violating due process rights by interfering with the right to counsel. They're violating the due process rights by publicly trying these people without a meaningful opportunity to cross-examine uh, the witnesses uh, in, in these hearings. And, and therefore, you know, the, these people are, are being declared guilty in the court of public opinion. In order for us to challenge that, it takes a tremendous amount of time. It takes a tremendous amount of resources. And because of many of these families are uh, middle to lower class uh White Christian people from middle America, middle America who have no savings, who either live paycheck to paycheck or, you know, they're taking care of their family and they don't have anything extra on the table. The, the, it makes it very hard for them to, to fight uh, these cases because of how much time and energy and resources this, 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 this all these things take. So that's why we have crowd raised and sort of crowdfunded and we appeal to people all the time to give and to donate to these legal funds. It's not, to make the lawyers rich, we're never going to get rich off of these cases. It's so that these guys can have a meaningful opportunity to litigate all of the issues in court and not just some of them. How long have these clients of yours been in, in jail, in prison? Uh, some of them have been in prison going on eight, 18 months now, since January of 21. And how in the hell is that possible? How is it possible in America for somebody to be in that situation? Uh, that's what I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand how Peter Navarro, special assistant to the president, can be, the FBI can arrest him for contempt of Congress and put him in handcuffs and, uh, and leg irons and throw him in a cell. This isn't America. It's, it's, it's not America. And, and just yesterday... Uh, Jeff Clark, who was a uh, one of the associate attorney generals 
uh, assistant attorney generals in during the Trump administration, the guy who said, hey, listen, before we just fold up here, maybe there are some legitimate issues. Maybe we should actually take a strong look at the election fraud, because if there is fraud, the law would support uh, our ability to to take a pause here and to say, hey, let's look into what's going on, because he had the, the audacity to speak the truth when it mattered. Uh, he's been labeled as a part of the problem. He's been uh, looked at by the committee. He's been harassed by the committee. He's been threatened, canceled. Um, but then just yesterday, of, of all people, the office of the inspector general showed up with a team of officers and uh, opened his front door yesterday uh, and raided his house, took all of his electronics, took his phones, took his kids' computers, his kids' laptops, his pads, and just showed up and took everything from him um, simply because they can. It's fear. It's intimidation taxes, tactics, tactics. This, this is the, is the inspector general did this. The inspector general, Lou. Unbelievable. Yeah, where's, inspector the, where, where's the U.S. Congress, the Senate? Where are Republicans? Where are who in the if you know, I, I don't even know what to say. There is no way and there's no way in hell that a. An American citizen should be treated like this, and we're seeing it becoming increasingly frequent, common even, for the Justice Department, the the FBI, and now the Inspector General that's supposed to be a an independent voice within the agency uh, to assess others' conduct is involved in the very thing that we're outraged about, that is a lack of due process uh, and searching, you know, I thought the Fourth Amendment protected us from all that. It, it does. Uh, you know, the Fourth Amendment does protect us uh, from from these things. It gives us a reasonable expectation of privacy in our persons, places, and indoor things. And, you know, uh, under the castle doctrine, a man or a woman's house is their castle. And your reasonable expectation of privacy is at its highest level. Your constitutional protections are at your highest level when you are... Um, in, in your home, but they don't care. And they don't care because the federal government has grown too strong. The federal government has gone too strong, grown too strong because it has bought off the states and their sovereignty through grants and loans and this and that and tax reimbursements and whatever it is. The only way this gets solved is by the, the United States, the states themselves, the 50 states stepping up, doing what Governor DeSantis is doing, reasserting their sovereignty and saying, hey, federal government, I don't know if you don't realize this, but you're not a king. We're not your subjects. We are states. We are sovereigns and equals to you. We participate in this union because it's beneficial for us, but at no place or time should you ever be acting like you have absolute power and or control over each of us. So my belief is that as the states rise up, as local elections become more important, be them school boards, uh, municipal boards, whatever they are, all, all the way up to the top of the governors and the state representatives, and that the state representatives in Congress actually do the bidding of their constituents, then the swamp would fall apart. But in order for that to happen, as President Trump has, has long since said, the swamp has to be drained. And that is precisely what he meant by it. I'd like to turn now, if I can, to these reports that the January 6th committee is lining up the idea of more hearings for July 
uh, and they're coming up with all sorts of nonsense. Uh, uh, but obviously, they think this is uh, something that they can get away with. Uh, your reaction to these suggestions, they're going to extend this. Well, I mean, my initial reaction is it's like you have a party, you invite people, and then these uninvited guests who you don't like show up, and then they overstay their welcome. They're the last people to leave in the room, and you're just like, when the hell are these people going to go? Nobody Nobody cares what they're saying. They're just they're, they're pandering to to one side. But what they're also very much doing is they're taking people who may have been on the fence about January 6th, people who could potentially be jurors, and they are working overtime to convince those people that January 6th was an insurrection. It was an attack on democracy. Uh, these people are terrorists. They should go to jail because of it. They are uh worthy of, of, of not being free, so on and so forth. And by doing that, once those personal conclusions have been drawn about the matter already, that person is no longer qualified to be a juror. You can't be a juror if you've already made a decision in your heart and in your mind about these matters. And that is what they are trying to do. And I raised this issue in, in, in the United States versus Ryan Nichols, his in his case, I think it was his last adjournment was the 9th of June. And I told, I said, Judge, you know, they are uh, damaging the jury pool beyond repair. I have very deep concerns about collusion between these two branches of government. They are actively working to circumvent the protections uh, that criminal defendants have by holding these, uh, you know, these show trials in this kangaroo court. And by doing so, they're damaging the jury pool. And, and the judge agreed with me. So I'm going to file a motion in that case because the judge did not like what he was seeing. And just uh, just recently, uh, the lawyers in the Proud Boys cases, uh, their, their their case was uh, cases are, are were expected to go to trial in um, uh, August, and they were able to get it postponed at least I think until December uh, for those exact reasons. And lo and behold, what what's happening? We have a, a a pause, and oh, by the way, oh, you're going to postpone the case. Well, we're just going to continue uh, these hearings down the road. And what I see is that the committee is mirroring much of the steps that the, that the court is doing, and much of the much of the the adjournments and the movements that are happening in, in, in these criminal cases in order to concurrently travel all the way down to the point of no return for them so they could continue to poison the pool up into the very last day. That's blatantly obvious. That uh, begs the question, uh, will somebody within the, the, the judiciary say, hey, that's enough, uh, the committee needs, needs to be shut down? It's just one thing after another with these people. And again, no one shutting them down. No one. The American Bar Association, I, I don't know what it would take. Somebody with decency and authority, moral authority, to say, enough. No more of this disinformation. No more of this asinine a disinformation campaign that's being waged by the, the Marxist left who run the Democratic Party and as well the Justice Department and the FBI, obviously. Let me, let me turn to the latest. The Department of Justice wants to know if Sidney Powell is funding the Oath Keepers defense. Well, under the D.C. local rules, um, people, uh, attorneys are allowed to uh, raise funds for their clients. So put differently, the rules say if 
your cl- if anyone else other than your client is paying for their defense, well, you have to tell your client. So it's called informed consent. You got to warn them of conflicts. So long as you're, as you and the clients are okay with that, and why? If somebody has doesn't have the money for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar, two hundred thousand dollar case, and you come to them and say, "Hey, this organization is going to pay half of the retainer or half of the cost," of course you're going to say yes, and that's a good thing for the people who have been accused. So what they're trying to do is first trying to shut the crowdfunding organizations down because they don't want these people to have a fair shot. But secondly, and far more, because there's, there's other, there's like Patriot Freedom Project is the organization that I work with hand in glove. There are many organizations out there, but I work with Patriot Freedom Project because I love them. It's ran by Cynthia Hughes. Um, I think that they do great work and I've had great experiences with them. So they're, 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 those are the people I recommend. Other people might say, hey, Defending the Republic or Prisoner's Record or whoever it is, these are the organizations that you should go to. And, you know, that that's up to, 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 to whoever. And that is a fundamentally good thing. Now, but what, what the Department of Justice is, is trying to do here with this case is because Defending the Republic is connected to Sidney Powell, they're saying, look, Sidney Powell participated in the uh, election uh, uh, litigation that took place and was not successful. The whole release, the crack and things, so on and so forth. She's also participating or, or, or loosely affiliated with anti-COVID uh, litigation. Uh, we don't like her because of that. And now we're connecting her from the election into the election fraud arena to the insurrection and now defending these people. Why are they doing that? They are doing that because they are trying to show a chain of custody or a chain of relationships that articulate these people as terrorist financiers and defenders. These are the, this is the same kind of thing. If you will look at a Hezbollah or an Al Qaeda network in the Middle East, you would say these are their lawyers, these are their financiers, these are their backers in government. These are their people on the ground, and we need to go after all of them. We need to freeze their accounts. We need to rip them out of government. We need to put them up against the wall, and we need to shoot them. That is why they are calling people terrorists. That is why they are bringing Sidney Powell and other people into this, because they're trying to say that this network of patriotic people who are defending people in these cases are not really doing that, that they are uh, more of uh, more like a crime family or an organized terrorist organization that should be stamped out by the government. That is the exact model. They are following the model to the T. Uh, every I is dotted and every T is crossed. When you compare this to the way that we have uh, shut down entire countries or organizations in the Middle East, this is this is the this is the playbook one hundred and one. If that is the the methodology, uh, why in the world isn't anybody tying together uh, Perkins Coy? the Democratic uh, National Committee, the Clinton uh, campaign, uh, the George Soros money, the funding of uh, all of this uh, chaos in this country. George Soros is funding. Do you realize that people were knocked off the air in networks because they said the name George Soros? That has changed now. People are actually able to say the name George Soros and connect him to many of the prosecutors, some 75 of them, who were all committed to chaos on the streets and the defeat of law and order in the name of, you know, no bail, you know, please, you're a violent criminal, hit the streets. I mean, this is madness in this country. Why isn't the Republican Party doing exactly the same thing? 
Well, because the members of the Republican Party who um, who, who you see selling out in gun legislation and, and not helping the January 6th people, those people, um, are, are their, their loyalties clearly belong to the people who have paid them off. They're not loyal to the people, their constituency, or this country. They do not bleed red, right, and blue. They're concerned about green and being on the right side of George Soros's payroll. That is clearly obvious, and that's why these people need to be voted out. And they're, they're going to be voted out. They're 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 done going forward. They're not going they're not going to be there in a couple of years. Any one of them who came out on the right side of this uh, will be gone. Regarding what you said about the Clintons and all that other stuff, well, we know that perfectly healthy people tend to kill themselves all the time. Anytime they they they, they really you know speak about what what they have done and about what is going on, it's an unfortunate thing. International money needs to be taken out of politics altogether. Uh, you know, there there's a lot of dirty international money, international influence, whether it's from Soros or Saudi Arabia or wherever it's coming from, that has no place in the American media and that has no place in American politics and I would like to see legislation that abolishes that type of infiltration and influence once and for all and you know the only president that we've had who could take those steps to make that happen is Donald J. Trump and that's that's the reason that the left in this country the Marxist left and the Democratic Party they control have been fighting him from the moment he was a candidate trying to frame him, running disinformation campaigns against him, including the so-called Russian collusion that was uh, the architect of which was uh, Hillary Clinton. And that is that created two failed impeachments, a special counsel investigation that lasted for almost two years, the FBI investigating throughout from 2016 to this very damn moment. Uh, It's been going on, and no one will stand up. These poor people, some of whom you represent, have no voice. They have no other than you. I'm talking about in the the political realm. I I mean, without you, no one would know what's happening. Uh, And a handful of reporters, and I want to give Julie Kelly great credit. Uh, She does a terrific job of reporting, in my opinion, uh, on the January 6th victims. But uh, to your point, also, I want to just add this. Lindsey Graham, John Cornyn, Tom Tillis, Roy Blunt, Rob Portman, Richard Burr, Senator Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins, Pat Toomey, and Mitt Romney. There is your hit parade of, of egg-sucking rhinos uh, who I think deserve... Uh, I, I don't even tell you what I think they deserve. <laughs> anyway, your, your, your thoughts here, Joe, as, as, as we head toward wrapping up. Uh, I agree with you. And, I, you know, the famous uh, story of Troy, the Trojan horse, you know, let you let people behind the wall and, and they slaughtered everybody, right? This is sort of like, for me, the inverse Trojan horse. You have people from all over the country, from all 50 states and territories and from all over the world. But what's relevant here is the people from the United States, the actual states themselves from all 50 states, they went to the Capitol on January 6th. And now people from all of those states and their family members and their communities and their friends have all been affected by 
the, the, these unfair prosecutions, these horrible, horrible experiences inside, the raping and pillaging of family resources, cancellation in the workplace and online, so on and so forth. And why is that relevant? It's relevant because uh, while the experience was centralized in Washington, D.C., these people are taking all these experiences back to the community. And because these are good people, they're not inherently bad people. They're patriotic people. They're God-fearing people. They have families and they have communities who have been affected by this as well. And people have woken up. People are beginning to change. People are beginning to see the corruption and not only see the corruption, but but say, I want to get involved and I want to make a difference. I get involved and I want to make a difference is specifically why I became an attorney and it's specifically why people run for office. So when these uh, people who uh, are in office now and these communities are watching them, somebody from each one of these communities is going to say, I am going to run against that person. I'm going to run against them and I'm going to say I'm going to do the exact opposite of what they have done. I'm going to make sure that somebody like this never gets elected in the state again and I'm going to go into Washington and I'm going to bring about change. And because so many people have been are, are, are being hurt by the government, the federal government at this point, and they're in all these different states, that is going to provoke a new type of candidate, a new type of culture, and a new type of understanding and a willingness to get involved in government. And by them trying to suppress and stamp out everybody, what they're really going to do is they're going to bring elected officials into that building. And then it's going to be a wrap for them. They're going to be out of government once and for all. Well, it's a beautiful vision, and uh, let's hope it comes to pass and soon. Uh, Joe McBride, great American. Thanks for all you're doing uh, for your clients and for all of us by representing them so well. Thank you for being with us here on The Great America Show. God bless you. God bless you too, Lou. Joe McBride, as I said, a great American, and you can reach him at McBride, that's M-C-B-R-I-D-E, McBride Law. NYC. That's McBrideLawNYC.com. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today. Here tomorrow on The Great America Show, our guest will be Congressman Corey Mills. Please join us. Till then, God bless you. God bless America.